Well, if you are new with us today, let me introduce myself. My name is Kevin Skinner. I'm the associate pastor here at First Baptist Watauga. And so as I start off this morning, let me just simply fill you in on what's been going on with the Skinner family. So several weeks ago, I sent a video out to our church body, letting you know that, that we believe that God was getting ready to move our family on to, to send us out from First Baptist Watauga and to send us to the First Baptist Church of Stockdale, Texas, where I would begin serving as their next pastor. And so last Sunday, if you were here, Pastor Dennis talked about how uh, I was preaching last Sunday morning at First Baptist Stockdale in view of a call. And so Pastor Dennis led you in a prayer, praying specifically that God would give us a very clear answer, that he would reveal his will, will to us, that he would reveal his will for the Skinner family, that he would reveal his will for First Baptist Stockdale, and that he would reveal his will for First Baptist Watauga. And so last Sunday morning, I preached the message at First Baptist Stockdale, and following the message, they ushered our family out of the room to the office area to, to wait on the decision that they were going to make. So they called the church into a business meeting to, to then vote on whether or not I would be their next pastor. And so Sarah, the kids, and I, we simply waited in the office area listening to the Jeopardy theme song over and over and over again, <laughs> just waiting for them to come and let us know what, what decision had been made. And so they came in shortly thereafter to let us know that it was a unanimous yes vote. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and so at that time, we accepted the call to go to First Baptist Stockdale. So after the service, an older lady, she came up to me. She's been at that church for a bulk of her life. And she said, in my 84 years here, I have never known a, a single pastor to get a unanimous yes vote. And so certainly the Lord, the Lord gave us a very clear answer last Sunday morning. And so I just want to say thank you to you for your prayers last week. This certainly is not... Not an easy thing for us. It's not easy to be sent out from a church that has loved us so well, from a church that we have considered to be family, from a church that, that we have loved right back. But I will tell you what has made it easier for us is simply recognizing the Lord's faithfulness in all of it. So several years back, I shared a story on Facebook, and then I also shared it in a Sunday morning message that when I was growing up, every day I would see my dad sitting at the breakfast table, reading his Bible, having his daily quiet time. And then when he was pastoring, early on in my life, he was a pastor. And so when he was pastoring, I would see him every Sunday morning stand behind the pulpit, delivering the message for that morning. Then after the message, he would come and he would stand in front of the pulpit, in front of the center aisle, giving that invitation. And then after the service ended, he would, he would walk to the back during the closing prayer. He would walk to the back to the back doors of that church to shake the people's hands as they were leaving that morning. And as a child, I would sneak out of the pew so that I could then walk down with him and go and shake the people's hands with him as they were leaving. And so... 
For years, I would say, I want to be just like my daddy. I want to be just like my daddy. And so maybe the Lord heard that as a repetitive prayer in a child's faith, because last Sunday morning, I stood on the same stage that my father preached on all those years ago, and I stood in front of the same center aisle during the invitation song, and at the end of the service, once again, I walked to those back doors to shake the people's hands, but this time I wasn't standing next to my dad, the pastor. I was standing there as their newly called pastor. Sorry. So I want you to hear this this morning. We serve a faithful father. We serve a faithful father. That's the title of our message this morning, the faithful father. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 16. John 16, we're going to look at verses 25 through 33. John 16, 25 through 33. And as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. At the start of our passage, we're going to see we're going to see a, a phrase, we're going to see some words that we saw in our passage last week when Pastor Dennis preached, that when we talk to the Father, we do so in Jesus' name. So as we think about this faithful Father that we have, we are reminded once again that, that we as believers have access to the Father because of Jesus, that it is by Jesus and through Jesus that we are able to boldly enter the presence of Jesus, that it is only through Jesus and Jesus alone that we are, enter, that we are able to enter the presence of Jesus, not by the blood of bulls or goats, but by the blood of Jesus and in his name. So even before we get started this morning, the question that I have for you is, do you have access to the Father this morning? Do you have access to the Father this morning? Have you turned from your sins, allowing Jesus to become the Lord of your life, giving you access to this Father this morning? Do you have access to the Father and if the answer is no, then I would encourage you, do not leave this place today without giving your life to Christ, without turning from your sins and allowing Jesus to become the Lord of your life, that you might have access to the Father. And if you are a believer, if you do have access to the Father, then I would say to you, don't waste it. Don't neglect the access that you have but as often as possible, possible, enter the presence of God boldly through prayer and through worship in Jesus' name. So now let's read our passage, John 16, verses 25 through 33. I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. A time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. On that day you will ask in my name, and I am not telling you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, look, now you're speaking plainly and not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything and don't need anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus responded to them, Do you now believe? 
Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. All right, so as we look at this passage this morning, there are three things that I want to highlight about the faithful father. Three ways, three ways that the father is faithful. First, the father loves. First, the father loves. What does verse 27 say again? For the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So there are a couple of things that I want to point out from that. First, I I want you to simply hear those words. The father himself loves you. Understand You are loved. You are loved. This is so important for us to understand because the reality is, is that in our world today, all too often we don't feel loved. Instead, we feel lonely. In fact, a study was done back in February of this year revealing that 36% of all Americans feel lonely. That's more than one-third of our country's population. 36% of the people in our nation feel lonely. And and this, this percentage only gets larger when you zero in on individual groups. Because the same study revealed that 51% of young mothers feel lonely and 61% of young adults feel lonely. We live in a world that, that we are supposedly more connected than ever before. Someone was just calling right now, right? We're more connected than ever before with smartphones and with social media. And yet, yet so many people are struggling with this feeling of loneliness. And maybe you're feeling that today. Maybe you came into this place today not feeling loved. Maybe you came into this place feeling lonely. So hear me again this morning. You are loved. Jesus gives this reminder to the disciples, but but it's also a reminder for us today that not only does Jesus love you, but the Father himself loves you. Let me also say this. The Father's love is perfect. The Father's love is perfect. God's love for us is a perfect love. And that doesn't mean that God always accepts or approves of everything that we do. Our our culture and the world we live in equates affirmation with love. But the reality is, is that You don't have to affirm someone's actions. You don't have to agree with someone's actions in order to love them. The Father's love does not always approve. The Father's love does not always affirm. In fact, what we see is that the Father's love at times corrects us and rebukes us. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And so we need to remember that That approval does not equate to love and disapproval does not equate to hate. God's perfect love points us not to simply what we desire, but it points us to what he desires. God's perfect love points us to truth. And so our response then to the Father's faithful love should be to strive to 
walk in truth and to walk in obedience, to turn from the sin that so easily entangles us that we might walk freely and in a closer relationship with this faithful Father that loves us. Now, maybe today you're not, you're not simply feeling lonely. Maybe you feel unlovable. Maybe as you look at your own heart and your own life, you would say you recognize there are things in your heart and your life that do not belong. You look at your, your own heart and your own life and you see disobedience to God. You see sin in your life. And maybe you feel like your sin is too much. Maybe you feel like you have gone too far. The Father couldn't possibly forgive you. The Father couldn't possibly love you. So let me just, just say this this morning. Not only is the Father's love perfect, but the Father's love is bigger. The Father's love is bigger. I'm reminded of a parable that Jesus shares of the prodigal son. It's a story of a very unpleasant and ungrateful son. This, this son goes to his father while his father is still alive, and he says, give me my inheritance now. This is an inheritance that he would likely receive after his father had passed away. And yet with his father still alive, he says, give me my inheritance now. What does this communicate to the father? I would be better off if you're dead. I would be better off with you dead. So give me my inheritance now. And so the father does just that. The father gives the son his inheritance. And what does the son do? The son goes off and squanders all of that inheritance. He wastes everything that the father has given him. He ends up without any money. He ends up hungry. He ends up alone. And he ends up in a pig pen. So the son thinks, maybe I can go back to my father and become one of his servants. He doesn't think that he can go back to be a son. Man, I, I was ungrateful. I was unpleasant. I basically spit in my father's face and I demanded my inheritance and then I wasted everything that he gave me. How could the father possibly love him? The son felt unlovable. But what the son found out is that when he went back to his father, on his way back to his father's house, Scripture says, while he was still a long way off, the, sons, the father saw the son coming, and he ran to the son, rejoicing in the return of his son. And he didn't treat him like a servant. Instead, he treated him like a son once again. The son found out that his father's love was bigger so hear me again this morning. The Father's love is bigger. Maybe you feel like you've gone too far. Maybe you feel like you've done too much. Maybe you feel like you are unforgivable or you are unlovable. But hear me this morning. If you are willing to turn from your sins and if you are willing to turn to the Father, you will find that the Father's love is bigger. Now, much of what I have said so far has focused on the first part of verse 27, the Father himself loves you. 
But now let me just take a minute to, to talk about the second part of verse 27. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. What does this mean? Does this indicate that the Father's love is conditional? Does this mean that, that God doesn't love us unless we love Jesus? So first, understand the Father's love is unconditional. The Father's love is unconditional. In fact, in fact, even before we ever turned from our sins and turned to the Father, even before we were ever born, even before we had ever sinned, the Father loved us. The Father loved you. John 3.16 tells us this very clearly. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, even before we recognized our sin, even before we had ever sinned, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Jesus is the evidence of God's unconditional love. However, there is another side to that. Although the Father, the Father loves us, Although he is a loving father, he is also a holy father. Even though he is a loving father, he is also a righteous father. Even though he is a loving father, he is also a holy father. And so what we see here is not that God's love is conditional, but what we see is that through Jesus, we are able to partake in God's unconditional love love. We see this very clearly in Romans 10, 9, when it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, God's love is and has always been there for us, but it is only by Jesus and through Jesus that we are able to fully and completely walk in the Father's love. So let me just take a moment today and encourage you. If you have never given your life to Christ, if you have never turned from your sins and allowed Jesus to become the Lord of your life, then I would encourage you, do that this morning and receive and experience a love that is incomparable to any love that you will ever experience in this world. Because in Jesus, you will experience the faithful Father's love. So the Father loves. Second, the Father gives. The Father gives. So next Sunday is Father's Day. So fair warning, children, you have one week <laughs> to get your dad a gift. So since there's only one week left, I brought some gift ideas for you. There's always the coupon book idea. Right? If you're short on a budget, you can always create a coupon book promising to do things for your dad. Make sure that, my daughter said that's what I'm getting. All right, thank you. <laughs> Gift spoiled. <laughs> you can always promise to, to do things for your dad. Just make sure that you actually follow through with those things. All right, now for younger children, you can always draw your dad a picture all right, at a certain age, it just kind of becomes weird. Unless you're a really talented artist, it just kind of becomes weird to draw a picture for your dad, right? If I sent my dad in the mail a picture that I had drawn for him, 
he'd just be like, thank you, I guess. (laughs) Thanks for putting curly hair on my stick figure. (laughs) Now, if you do want to spend some money, you can always get a personalized gift item, put some initials on it, not your initials, put his initials on it. All right, if your dad is a coffee drinker, you can never go wrong with a coffee mug. And if you really want him to remember who gave it to him, put your face printed right on the front of that mug. It may scare him, all right, but he'll remember it's from you. Now, if you really want to give to your dad unsparingly this year, if you really want to hold nothing back, go to Home Depot and buy him some lumber. (laughs) Because that's like pure gold this year. (laughs) So those are, those are some gift ideas that you can give to that father in your life this year. But as we look at our passage, we see that the father gives to us. What did verse 28 say again? I came from the father and have come into the world. God gives unsparingly. And he didn't just give us lumber, although Jesus died on some lumber, right? He didn't just give us some lumber. He gave us his son, Jesus is how we know that the Father loves. And we know that the Father gives unsparingly because he gave his one and only son. When Jesus came into this world, he came into this world because the Father gave him. That's what we just heard when I quoted John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And it's because the Father gives unsparingly, and because he gave Jesus unsparingly, that we are able to receive salvation. Now, some might ask the question, couldn't God provide salvation apart from Jesus? Did Jesus really have to die? And the answer is Jesus absolutely had to come, and Jesus absolutely had to die, because God is the one that establishes the law. And we see the law established from the very beginning. And God has established from the beginning that the penalty for sin is death. And we're reminded of that again in Romans 10, 9. Or excuse me, Romans 6, 23, when it says, for the wages of sin is death. God has established the law and has proved that over and over throughout the Old Testament that the wages of sin is death, that what we earn for our sin, what is owed to us is death. And so when it comes to salvation, God is not a lawbreaker. We are the lawbreaker. And so God didn't go against himself. God can't break the law. And so instead, he sent Jesus into this world not to break the law, but to fulfill the law. Jesus was that perfect fulfillment of the law. And so Jesus was given by the Father to the world, and he took the penalty of sin upon himself that through him the requirement of sin would be satisfied so that the benefit of salvation could be received. Let me say that again. Through Jesus, through his death, the requirements of sin are satisfied so that we can receive the benefit of salvation. Jesus was necessary. And as we see, the Father held nothing back. The Father gave 
unsparingly. And because God gave the Son, not only do we have the promise of salvation for the next life, but we also have the promise of peace for this life. What did verse 33 say again? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Peace has been a consistent promise of Jesus. In fact, several weeks ago when I preached on John chapter 14, Jesus started out John chapter 14 by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then in John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. And as we look at our passage now in chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things that in me, so that in me you may have peace. So understand, because the Father gave the Son, because the Father has given us Jesus, we can have peace in this life. And the peace that Jesus offers isn't simply the absence of struggles or storms or suffering in our life. In fact, the absence of trouble in our lives really isn't peace. The absence of trouble in our lives is simply calmness. I'm reminded of what we read about in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Jesus is on a boat with his disciples, and they're out on the sea when a storm hits. And the the wind begins to blow, and the waves begin to toss that ship about, and the disciples are on the boat, and they begin to panic, and they begin rushing around because they think that they're about to die. But where is Jesus in all of this? He's sleeping. So as the disciples are panicking, Jesus is experiencing peace. In the midst of the storm, Jesus is experiencing peace. So in their fear, they wake Jesus up. And it's then that Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves, and the storm stops. And then we read in the passage that there was a great calm You see, the absence of of a storm or trouble in our life isn't peace. The absence of storm or, or trouble or suffering in our life is simply calmness. But what Jesus promises here is that even in the midst of our struggles, even in the midst of our storms, even in the midst of our suffering, we can have peace because we have a Savior that has conquered the world. So let me pause right here and ask you, Are you walking in that peace today? Are you walking in the peace of Jesus today? In the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your suffering, are you walking in that peace or are you rushing around, panicking, trying to figure it all out? And if today you would say that you are panicking, then let me encourage you let me encourage you to refocus your attention off of your suffering and onto the Savior because it's not you that has conquered the world. Jesus is the one that has conquered the world. Now, if you're here and you would say you have never given your life to Jesus, then I would say to you, turn to Jesus today. Turn from your sin and turn to the Savior and experience a peace unlike ever before. 
The Father loves. The Father gives. Finally, this morning, the Father remains. What did verse 32 say again? Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. So Jesus is alluding to how the disciples are going to respond when he is arrested, when he is beaten, when he is crucified. Jesus knows that when this happens, the disciples are going to scatter with an attitude of self-preservation. In fact, this plays out very vividly in John chapter 17 when we see Peter deny Jesus three times. Even though Peter said he would never abandon Jesus, he does just that and, and he takes it a step further to just vehemently, adamantly say, I never knew him. I don't know that man. Denying ever having a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus, knowing that the disciples are going to abandon him, he says, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. The Father remains. So let me pause right here and say this. If, if you are a believer, even if everyone else in this life abandons you, the Father will remain with you. Even if everyone else in this life abandons you, the Father will remain with you. Throughout the process of Jesus being arrested and beaten and crucified, Jesus simply rested in his relationship with the Father. It doesn't mean that it wasn't difficult. We see how difficult it was for him in the Garden of Gethsemane. But what we see is that he continued to rest in his relationship with the Father. So hear me. In this world, even if everyone else leaves you, you can continue to rest in your relationship with the Father. And it's important for us to remember that because, because the fear of being abandoned can be crippling at times, especially when it comes to sharing our faith with others. We are worried and concerned about how people are going to respond to us Will our friends reject us? Will our coworkers disassociate with us? Will the world mistreat us for our faith? But we have this great promise that even if all of that happens, even if our friends reject us and our coworkers disassociate with us and the world mistreats us, even if all of that happens, the Father will remain with us. Even if everyone abandons us, the Father will not. The Father remains. So as we get ready to close this morning, let me bring you back to what I shared at the very beginning. Very soon in the coming days, God is going to be moving the Skinner family, sending us out from First Baptist Watauga and sending us to First Baptist Stockdale. And let's be honest, this is difficult, Right? As we get ready for the impending goodbyes and see you laters, it's already getting to be hard. But here's the hope that we have. While God is sending the Skinner family out, the Father himself is not leaving First Baptist Watauga. The Father will remain. This church can look back on God's faithfulness through the years to remain in the midst of many different transitions. Youth pastors have left, children's pastors have left, music ministers have left, and senior pastors have left. And yet, 
through all of those transitions, the Father's presence has been the constant. The Father has remained, and we can be sure now that the Father is going to continue to remain here with First Baptist Watauga. And that gives me great hope as your associate pastor, as God readies to send our family out. It gives me great hope knowing that the Father will remain. And that should give you great hope this morning as well. The Father loves, the Father gives, and the Father will remain. You've been listening to a Sunday morning message from our services here at First Baptist Watauga. Our family's mission is to exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. If you want to know more about First Baptist Watauga or need to reach out to us for prayer, go to fbcwatauga.org and let us know. In all things, to God be the glory, honor, and praise.